Welcome to WP Tonic Roundtable Podcast, where a panel of leading WordPress junkies discusses the latest WordPress and internet stories of the week. Now, on with the show with your moderator, Jonathan Denwood. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Show. This is episode 900, 596. Got a great panel, got some great stories. I think it's going to be a great show. I'm going to let the panel quickly introduce themselves and then we'll be straight in to the first story. John, my friend John Locke, would you like to quickly introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm John Locke from LockdownSEO.com. <laughs> and I've got, Sally, I've got Sally as well. Sally, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, sure, yes. We have to wait for John a little. He's on Tranquility Base, and so there's the inevitable time lag. Uh, I'm mm. Sally Getch, the WP fangirl, and <laughs> <laughs> today's token woman. Um, right, there we go. We need that token woman. Um, um, Spencer, uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. <laughs> 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 I keep thinking about low-key. You're gonna set me off. John John is so low key today. I'm trying to do a John Locke impression. I'm Spence from WP Launchpad. We've got we've got our foreign correspondent. He's uh, he's in he's in the Netherlands or somewhere. Andrew, Andrew, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, it's Andrew Farmer coming straight from the Cheddar Gorge in the beautiful English countryside. And uh, I'm representing DiviSorted.com today. Yes. I never know what URL he's going to use. Uh, we've got our there guest. Go. We've got our guest. Got Vito returning. Vito, would you like to quickly introduce yourself? Hey, everyone. I'm Vito. I'm the founder of Atarim, which is a platform that helps uh, web agencies and freelancers collaborate with their clients. Oh, that's great. So let's go straight into it. Um, if I can find my stories, that would be even better, wouldn't it? Um, I'm all in a mess. Right. So number one, profile rebrands, a response to WP user avatar and ha- now a membership plugin, user revolt. It's from the tavern. So Sally, what did you think of this one? Uh, as they mentioned in this, uh, this is the second time it's it's happened uh, uh, recently. Um, so WP user avatar, as uh, Justin Tadlock says in the article, was a very simple uh, one-task plugin. It let you upload your own image to use instead of a, um, what do they call those things, gravatar. And... Uh, all of a sudden, uh, it, it's now been turned into something called Profile Press, which is a, uh, has a whole bunch of uh, uh, <clears throat> different settings, and it's basically meant to do a, a lot of additional things. And um, it's a, uh, 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 you know, you, you get uh, pushed to buy a... Um, uh, 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 premium uh, option. So, uh, you know, there were 400,000 people who had this plugin installed uh, and it was a wee bit of a surprise for them. Uh, It it might be fine for somebody who's, you know, looking for something to do fancy user profile management, which people do often have a use for. uh, But, uh, you know, uh, the lack of notifications to... uh, 
to users uh, are is irritating, and uh, I think it's a <laughs> reminder of what happens with our. Uh, you know, our stream of acquisitions that we've been seeing that sometimes uh, things are okay. Uh, they go well. Uh, for instance, I've generally been pleased with what WP Engine has done with Studio Press because they've been able to put a lot of money behind uh, development. Um, and uh, sometimes uh, things happen uh, after an acquisition that... Uh, make people unhappy, either employees, um, hello, <clears throat> free note, or uh, uh, users, or all of the above. Right. So, Spencer, I'm a little bit confused. Does it still do its original thing, or or did they just plonk in a totally different... Uh, when I read the article, it didn't make it totally clear if it still does the original thing. Not really. Um I watch this one in earnest because I think I have two takeaways as a plugin author as well as a WordPress person all these years. The two takeaways are number one, that if you're going to participate in this ecosystem, it's a it's like a very small community where your reputation is everything. So even if you let, have to lay down on the road and let people run over you with their car, you're better to do that, take your licks and come out looking like a hero or a martyr than you are to do what these guys did. It was a very, very poor choice that will s cause them to suffer, I think, into the future, no matter what they do. Because what they did is they took a free plugin that was a very small utility. It just did one thing. It let you add an avatar. And they got another plugin, and they decided, oh, we have all these users <laughs> on the free little utility. Let's one day do an update where we put the second plugin into the first plugin and essentially change the entire nature of what's going on. Uh, the second rule that one has to follow is, besides doing that, is to realize if you have a free plugin, you have the most picky, uh, least uh, loyal customers ever. There is an inverse proportion, if you looked on a graph, between how much money people pay and their behavior. And the free people will hang you by your own laundry line for any mistakes that you make. And that's what happened here. So the problem this particular guy did, who I've seen his face before, he's not a bad person, he's not doing anything like worse than Yoast, is he didn't yeah, that's handle not, it that's going, not a high bar. Well, he didn't handle it like in a way that would have solved the problem. He could have said, oh my God, I completely screwed up and revert the plugin back immediately. That's what he should have done. Instead, he decided to drive his truck into the crowd and see if he can just run everybody over in a full frontal attack. And he got what he deserved. And this is not going to end well for anything this person yeah. decides to do in the future. Well, you, um, I thought, you know, you've had some announcements with your launch flows recently, oh. but I thought you, I thought you did it excellently. I thought you did it the way it should be done. Well, I, I mean, I'll give you the comparison. Yeah. Let, let me just use that example, but here's what happens. If you're going to go into the WordPress community, people have a long memory, especially the free people, the early adopter memories. And by the way, hats off to Vito for other reasons, but for today, because Vito's little comments from months and months ago about why, you know, Adarim did uh, their free, uh, sorry, their, their LTD, had always stayed in my head and I was looking for an opportunity. So 
I saw after giving it further consideration that the launch flows plugin was filling a niche that was not at the level of being the like everything under the sun dashboard and so forth, but rather was one step below it. And then I was approached by some of my customers about this phenomena that, you know, both Andrew and Vito were arguing for. So hats off to both of you guys that LTDs seem to be a thing now in and of themselves, like people collecting, uh, you know, non, non fungible, you know, assets or something like that. And so what I decided to do was move the plug in one level lower, reduce the price 66%, but, and here's the, but I had to protect the hundreds of people who had already paid me $300 for a one year license. Now, I could have just stuck my finger up and said, hey, you got gave me your money. Instead, I said, everybody who paid me money, whether for a single side or not, becomes a lifetime person for free. That's it. Everybody who rewarded me by being loyal at first gets double benefit now, and everybody else gets the new deal. And that's what you got to do. You have to like suck it up short term in order to be in a position where – I'm not saying I'm such a smart guy. I listen to everybody else here and everything else, but like you have to be in a position to be Robin Hood, not King George or something like that. Yeah. So Andrew, um, if, the, if the facts, if the facts are correct, I don't think this was the smartest thing to do. <laughs> no, it wasn't, and it's and it and it behoves me well actually because I've just acquired 23 plugins, one of which is free. Yeah, the other me. 22 are premium. And, um, you know, one, the free plugin has got 50,000 active installs. So it would be uh, remiss of me to go down that road as well, because I can add loads to it and change it and make it what I feel is better. At least change the name to Andrew WP or something like that, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. No, I'll keep the names the same, but there, there are some things that can be added because they, they've added, you know, the, the, the main theme that it's for has actually added it to the core. So, but they, they still haven't added all the functions that I think are, are right. But we all, we seem to see these mistakes in this very small community that we've got. Everybody says the community of WordPress is massive, but actually it isn't. It's very, very small. Um, people who you know, participate actively are the exactly, exactly. The active users are very small, and they are, like Spencer says, they are very quick to hit you over the head with a very sharp stick. Um, well, yes, you think it on shows like just, this and diss you if you uh, yeah. Well, I, I take it the impression that this is most wanted in some ways. John, what did you this seems a bit of a to be a bit of a train wreck, John? Well. Here's the situation. When you have a plugin on your site and suddenly somebody changes it to something else, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like if you have uh, your favorite couch in your living room and then you leave and then one day you come back and it's a totally different couch. And you're thinking somebody was in my home and they, and they changed this out. And what swapping out this one plugin for a totally different plugin it introduces that seed of doubt. What else are you going to do to my site? Because if you're willing to swap out this uh, one plugin for a totally different plugin, are, are you going to hack my site? You know, what else are you going to do? That's why this is getting I can just imagine up. all my clients coming to me and saying, I looked at my site. What is this? Have I been hacked? 
Mm-hmm. And and that's what it is. You know, even with a free plugin, there's an understanding that it's it's going to be a certain thing. And when you totally change it without any notice, you're breaking that trust. And now you're you're making people feel like they can't even trust uh, your plugin on their site because you might use something else that they don't expect. Well, this is the whole problem of free plugins as well, because the community um, and, you know, in the totality never really worked out how you could have a free plugin that that's does something that's important for hundreds of thousands of people. And the author can just, you know, what happens if the author has an accident, dies, or just decides they can't keep on supporting it? There's, you know, it's up to the author to find somebody that's prepared to take it over. There's no... Well, it happens It happens to premium plugins. You know, I took over um, another plugin. My nephew built it, and it was Comment Love. And it was a, a very, very big selling, you know, 50,000 downloads a month or something. When it was premium. It was ridiculous. Um, and he got MS, you know, so I, he kindly let me take that over. So it, it happens to premium plugins as well. And what, and what people don't realize or what they don't think, and we've talked about this before in the WordPress community or any kind of business community, nobody seems to have a disaster plan. And it does my head in, you know, if I, if I happen to pass away very quickly, then there is a, there is a plan in place. Or if I can't do my job for whatever reason illness or some other horrible thing happens there is a plan in place so and there are people that can replace me not 100 percent, of course but you know they can replace me the, the necessary parts you know and and this 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 happens all over the world to people yes but, lo- you know, lots of us are bad at succession plans here we go yeah all right let's go on to story two Twitter may be working on a Twitter Blue, a subscription service that would cost around two ninety nine. What did you think of this one, Vito? I think uh, Twitter is uh, is is working like a startup, and I like it. Uh, they they keep exploring new options and new ideas all the time. I think that every time that I come and visit you guys here on the show, we have uh, a new service that might be going. From, they might be coming from uh, Twitter, uh, and I think this is great. Uh, you know, like they're they're still exploring, they're still um, trying to figure it out for themselves. Uh, even though they are, you know, one of the biggest uh, social media platforms uh, that are out there, um, they understand that it's not a guaranteed position, and that they have to kind of like keep seeing what is going to work and where is it it's, it's going to work. What I really like is that they're not going like completely out of the um, of their realm you know like like facebook for example facebook goes goes all over you know or uh, they they don't they don't well, that's what co- that's what cockroaches do isn't it <laughs> <laughs> yeah but but they they kind of like try to figure out what can what can they build that will serve their users in a better way um, try to monetize uh, some different channels without compromising on the experience that people are used to. These are great. Uh, this is a great culture by uh, by a good company, in my opinion. Yeah, it's almost like it's almost like the 
they've had electric therapy, electric shock therapy. You know, it's been it's been dormant in, in deep depression, and they they've just been woken up recently. What did uh, what did you think of this one, and John? Let's go for John. What did you think of that, then, John? Yeah. So um, Twitter's been around for like a very long time, uh, but they've only been profitable in the last five years or so. So now that they're slightly profitable, they got to utilize their monetize their user base more. So uh, the edit button is something that a lot of people have been calling for for a long time. I think if they do implement something like that, where you have an edit button, it should be something. And John, John, we know a lot of people that need that edit button, don't we? Yeah. I think personally, I think it, it should be something where you can edit it for, you know, five minutes or something like that, but not, you know, like <laughs> down the line. Because- well, you know, the thing is, the internet is forever. If you really put your foot in it, somebody is going to have a screenshot of that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, some of the other things here, too, um, with, uh, the, you know, they've changed some things. They they improve their photo cropping algorithm. That's a whole story to that as well. Uh introducing like a tip jar basically like a little patreon for uh twitter we'll see how this goes i mean i would probably pay just to not see ads um so that that might be something uh worth worth having but you know even if they get a little bit of adoption on that it'll be beneficial for them and listeners of views. If well, it would be wonderful if, you, if they incorporate because they just bought Scroll. And the thing with Scroll was that that uh, it let you see things without ads by contrib. You know, you would pay a little money for Scroll, and that would be distributed to the various uh, uh, publishers, and so you could browse uh, ad free on those sites. And uh, I had signed up for that and was paying uh, for it, and it is uh, useful. But it's sort of like okay, so you have a tool that does that. Uh, Lots of us do find the ads on Twitter and, you know, most other places annoying. And, uh, you know, if that, you know, five bucks a month or whatever uh, that uh, I was paying for scroll suddenly includes Twitter as well, uh, you know, that would be a very good thing. Yeah. Uh, Spencer, they haven't made it clear that if you pay the subscription, you get the blue tick either if they that'd be great wouldn't it because that's infuriated so many people they said you know i've got all these followers but you still won't verify my account uh, it, it seems a winner for them really doesn't it spencer yeah i mean there's a traditional history of ways that you can take a freemium product and monetize it and a couple of them are in play here, some of which sound really good and some of them sound stupid. So the first way, which is not offensive, not annoying, would be something that is uh, stroking people's ego. So you give them a special badge and many people will be willing to pay $2.99 a month because look how precious I am and special I am. I got that like, you know, I'm a super user. That has been proven time and time again to be the best way to handle things like this because it's like a really low key, low key way for people to be different than other people in a way like putting a bumper sticker on the back of your car or something. The next way is a feature, which I like the idea of the editing. And for many people, that would improve what's otherwise been a traditional limitation. Where I start to feel like you're going off the track is when you start to implement annoyware 
for the purposes of squeezing people, you know, uh, where it hurts. Uh, when you make the platform intentionally unusable with advertisements or with, for example, as Sally was relating to, and I've been begging for like somebody to listen for, for months, I love using my phone to catch quick news stories. But like every single one of the publishers wants me to individually pay them like $1.99 a month to access a thing. I'm like, go F all of yourselves. Can't you figure out a way that I can just pay an intermediary one amount per month and get all your stuff? So can't you guys just finally consolidate in some general way where, you know, then you get a piece of your action if I read your thing. But like, that's what all the other media companies are doing. That's why we're seeing, you know, Netflix and Disney Channel and God forbid, Paramount Plus, and like they're all deciding, like, we have all this content. We better all get together because people can only subscribe to so many services. So if Twitter were to do one or two, I would not use it because I don't use Twitter, but like I think a lot of people would pay for it. Number three would make the platform pretty unusable because they would then be forced in a position like the the newspaper people of I, just as soon as that thing scrolls up on my screen, I'm like, F you, I'm never going to read your article anyway, or I'll just go for free on my Safari browser and look up the title. So what do you reckon, Andrew? I think it's a good idea for some people, but I, I, you know, I've got this opinion that I have, which you've all heard. I just don't care. I mean, you know, Twitter is full of, people that kind of just complain every single day and it does my head in just let's get some positivity on twitter it's just annoying that they're, they're just complaining about everything you know they're complaining you, just you mean you don't find people complaining everything. on other social networks do you mean you mean you don't no, find it constructive not. and insightful Andrew? I do not. I do not. I think. I. I think that um, Twitter <laughs> is the height of negativity, and I'm guilty of that sometimes as well because it's just. Yeah, this one place. No, it's not. This one. This one place. It also depends on who you're following. I. They, I yeah. I pay to. Well, no. They. They now say. You know. I follow. I. I've unfollow and I've. I've unmuted hundreds of accounts. And because they just give me because you interacted with that, they. You know. You might like this, and I just. Uh, and they give me stuff that I just don't, that my followers are commenting on. I don't want that. It's that I don't. That's Facebook. I don't want that. I want, um, you know, good commentary. I, I like the politics and everything. But it still is just annoying. But so I would pay. I would pay for it just to get rid of the annoying things. Like uh, the advertising never bothers me. I've always been um, acceptance, accepting of Facebook advertising and accepting of of Twitter advertising, because that's how you monetize the platform. If you're going to give me something for free, I expect to pay for it somehow, either in my data, my demographic data, or the fact that I'm going to see an advert. So what, you know, to scroll on. Well, yes, but it's it's not the existence of ads that's a problem. It's when the ads get to the point where you cannot actually read the content. I don't think I've ever experienced that, Sally. You know, it's just, I see an ad and I scroll past it. I just ignore it. You know, it's just a well, it's, uh, yeah, on Twitter and Instagram, they're not that bad. You can scroll past or you can say, hey, I don't like, you know, I don't like this ad. Um, but, you know, if you go to most news sites, as, as Spencer was saying, the ads are, you oh, know, scroll jacking. Yeah. You can't read what they're saying. And and so, you know, uh, yeah, the video <clears> pops up on mobile. You can't even hit the GDPR link to say, yeah, I accept your cookies. You 
idiots, you know. It, but and I get that. But for you know, I thought we were talking about Twitter. You know, Twitter yes, paying two ninety nine a month. That's fine. But if you if I love Spencer's um, suggestion, the telecoms companies do it, the TV companies do it. Why can't the newspapers get together and say? This is a, we, we even form their own company to manage that process of, you know, Spencer pays one one dollar ninety nine a month and he gets all this content without adverts and yes. and I, I without. I suspect there a might be a go. law against them doing it with their own company, but um, uh, uh, but somebody. I'm, I'm could surprised do nobody's it. done it. I mean, as a third party, there must be there must be some old school problem. Or political problem that's existing that we just don't understand as to why there isn't a third party company that's gone out and gotten all the individual publishers to cooperate. Well, funny I'm, enough, there. Um, that, that's your, that, that's your startup uh, uh, yeah. suggestion. Well, funny enough, there's um, in the autobiography of Steve Jobs, there, um, he spent quite a while talking to the publishers of these newspapers because it was obvious to him that. Also, he, he obviously he saw it as a way of Apple making some more money. And he spent ages talking to these publishers and he gave up. He said, they, he said they, they're um, it's like trying to herd cats, you know, it's just totally impossible. Uh, um, so even his um, negotiation skills. You need skills a, Spotify, a Spotify for newspapers, don't you? That's what you really need. Yeah, you're spot on, Andrew. And that's what I thought. That's what I think he was trying to develop, but he never got anywhere. We're going to go for our break. When we come back, we've got some more great stories. Launch Flows turns your WooCommerce website into a selling machine. We make it easy to create gorgeous sales funnels, no friction checkouts, order bumps, upsells, downsells, and much more. Gain full control over your buyer's journey from the top of your WooCommerce sales funnel all the way to the bottom. Best of all, you can use your favorite page builder, such as Elementor, Divi, Beaver Builder, Gutenberg, or one of the high-converting templates we've included inside. Get rid of the clunky WooCommerce shop pages and checkout process in favor of an optimized buyer flow that instantly increases conversions and makes you more money. LaunchFlows provides one-click order bumps that increase the total value of every sale with a 10 to 30% conversion rate. This is perfect for anyone offering complimentary products, training, or extended warranties. With unlimited upsells and downsells, your buyer's journey doesn't need to end at the checkout. Instead, we make it easy to display a series of additional offers as part of the original transaction. This is perfect for one-time offers, related products, mastermind class offers, high-ticket software sales, or subscription supplements. Not an expert? Don't worry. We've got the training and the consultation you need. WP Launchify will teach you how to get the most out of launch flows with personal consultation on WordPress, WooCommerce, marketing automation, and much more. If you want to earn more money with your WooCommerce online business, you owe it to yourself to try Launch Flows today. Coming back, um, on to the next story. Accessibility advocates sign open letter urging people not to use a- Asset B and other overlay products. I've just got such mixed feelings about this. Didn't what, what, you what, interview the founder of this? 
I think I did, but you know, I've I've interviewed so many bloody people. You know, I've been doing this for five years. My God, uh, uh, um, Spencer, what what do you? I've just really got such mixed feelings about it. Well, what I read from the article makes a lot of sense to me, and that is that the people who are wanting to have accessibility built in natively are going to be hampered in their efforts and the rest of us are going to suffer if companies, this is ironically sort of like what we're just saying, but for a different reason, if companies crop up to solve the problem by using an overlay or an intermediary software. So what's happening is the success of B is essentially software that's being loaded at various hosting companies or servers or whatever in order to solve all of the accessibility Mm -hmm. problems dynamically. The problem is the software adds this gigantic layer of crap that screws up everybody else's ability to use the platform properly. And I think it's annoying the advocates of regular accessibility because then it gives the authors or the site owners an excuse to just beg off on not fixing anything at the core level. So it's sort of like a it's, third it's party. It's a little worse than that. It's it's actually, you know, not necessarily making the websites more accessible. Well, it's uh, a it's a it's like a, a mobile wheelchair ramp company that like runs around when there's a person in a wheelchair and there's a big staircase. They immediately show up with a ramp or something. I mean, it's just an impractical way to fix the overall. How about you just build the yeah, ramp? Uh, well, but it's also it gets it wrong when it's trying to fix it. And and yeah. they, they, you know, they've made a lot of promises about you know, protecting yourself from lawsuits and, and we'll always uh, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I have seen so many articles out there about basically accessibility got me sued, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, and not having been there, you don't know exactly what the situation was in, in every case, yeah. but it seems I, um... like it's, it's dangerous, not just because it's a kludge, um, yeah, but yeah. because it can do the opposite of what it's promising to do. Yeah, but I think the, the reason why I was in two minds about this, I, I think Spence and yourself explained this quite clearly, and it's not the greatest idea. But the problem is that I think WordPress, being uh, WordPress supposedly now drives 40% of all websites. Um, obviously, uh, I've got a bit of an insight with Malton and some other people who approached the great leader when we were going down this jolly road of Gutenberg. And they said it might be an opportunity to actually build accessibility tools into the core WordPress. That They go away, you know, uh, um, we've got better yeah, things. We've got, we got better things to do than that. You know, we don't, we don't think that idea is a very good one. And basically WordPress, you know, what the tools out there are pretty crummy, aren't they? And, it, you know, it should be a lot easier in 2021 to make something that's reasonably accessible, you would have thought. What do you reckon, Andrew? Oh, you, we can't hear you, Andrew. Okay. If every web page was AMP, wouldn't that solve the problem with screen readers? I don't know. Actually. Only if it's because um, that's just text, right? So, so my blind person that that that, that tests my websites for accessibility as much as possible 
he has this screen reader that reads a, a zillion words a second. You know, it's just incredible how fast she listens to it and everything and navigates the keyboard, you know, navigates around using the keyboard and stuff like that. I would have thought that AMP would have solved that issue if you're just looking for a screen reader. Where we get the difficulties of the dominoes had an issue where, the, you know, the, 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 the perfect description of the pizza wasn't there. And if you're putting... What I, the problem I have with accessibility is if you've got loads of image, product images and everything, and you want to particularly explain what that image is in fine detail, that's going to increase the weight of the website. And then we've got core web vitals out the window. So there's a very accessibility is a really difficult I don't think alt text to, to increases the weight of your website as much as well, the actual no, I'm not pictures do. I'm not talking about alt text. What the what the Domino's court case was about is that this person couldn't understand the description of the, the pizza, wanted to know every single ingredient, wanted to know the nutrition, wanted to know the calorific value, wanted to know everything. If you put that on every single e-commerce website with a, a product image and you have to describe that product image perfectly, you are going to increase the weight of that website. I don't care what you say, all text or not, it's going to increase the wording on that website a zillion times. So with accessibility, we have to be really cognizant of what our users want, and we have to be cognizant of core web vitals, making the website load fast, um, and, of, and of the effect on SEO. And I think John will have some comments on that because he's like an accessibility advocate as well i've i think every website should be accessible but i think that you i i thought that amp would get over that to be fair yeah. we do I these. Don't know. Does it solve the problem of the people who create their buttons by saying div 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 div, div instead of button because well, you know navigating on the keyboard uh it, you know if you've got your headings all screwed up and so on um you know if you're if you're not using html properly it impairs the ability of, of people yeah but i think we, i think i think we've got to live in we've got to live partially in the real world here sally with page builders like gutenberg like animator divi the host of them the, the actual situation has got you know, you have a load of people. Right. Well, WordPress no, core you, can't control all of it because no, exactly like so, how accessible you know, is what this. Uh, well, not even even if you've got somebody, creates. even if you got hired a freelance developer like yourself that spends a lot of time. The situation, if you're if if you're building it around a page builder or you're having to implement a page builder after about three weeks with the client hacking away with it. It's a freak, it's probably been turned into a mess anyway. Um, so the situation's actually got worse. Uh, um, so you need some technology like what Andrew's just pointed out because the idea that you're going to be able to do this on the development stage to some degree when you've got all these page builders is a delusion as far well, as I'm uh, concerned. Yeah, this, part of it is because when the client wants the developer to make sure it's accessible, it's like, okay, I tested the site as it's launched, it's accessible, but accessibility is a content issue. <clears throat> and unless the person who's adding the content understands well, so you, about adding yeah. content, and unless like yeah, the page builder I, is designed... 
so that if it inserts a, a you know, a, a, it'd be much a better. Light, it works. It'd properly. be much better that you had these amp uh, amp tool and uh, somebody that knew what they're doing at the initial stage, and it, you know, it would actually be a good way for Google to make amp more popular. What do you reckon, John? Add and mute there. Um, okay, so what I'm reading from the people that I know in the community that that do rely on accessibility, people who are, you know, blind or or however else impaired, the problem is 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 accessibility and all these other overlay tools that were mentioned. I think there is you know, like nine or ten of them. They don't actually create accessibility. They it's it's like faux accessibility. Um, and the people that were in the comments that were arguing, you know, people sue if our sites aren't accessible and then you're going to put the poor owners like out of business and then what will happen? And we don't want to pay for to, you know, to make things accessible. I think a lot of this like really has to come back on people who are developing sites and, and making sure that there's, you know, some sort of accessibility in it to begin with. Um, and maybe that has to do with the tools that you use or the way that you, you know, build the site. But there should be some sort of basic, you know, accessibility testing before you launch a site. You know, that's just my, you know, stance on that. Uh, you know, if you can go through your site and navigate it with the tab, um, you know, check it for, you know, run it through WebAIM. Mm. And, you know, it's not that difficult. People are making it out to be, I think, a little bit more difficult than it, than it seems to be. But there is a point here, and that is unless people sue, people don't take accessibility seriously because they, uh. they see disabled people or people who are blind or deaf or uh, have mobility issues they see them as second class citizens or or maybe even you know just if they see them yeah. at all if they it's see them at all and that's yeah. the problem that's a lot yeah. of people and it, because here's the thing disability can happen to anyone anyone who is able bodied right now this can happen to you so this is one you know segment well where, it's not so, it's not yeah. so actually disability it's easy to use with a population that's getting older yeah. In most Western countries, the population of people in the next 10 to 15 years that are going to be over 65 is, is going to massively increase. So it would be kind of beneficial to have something that's well, easy right. to use. I mean, it? like, you know, my friend who has arthritis and she has trouble with using a mouse or a, or a, a, a trackpad and especially anything that relies on a zillion different little gestures that when you can't control your hands very well, uh, you know, you're always accidentally doing things that you didn't. Uh, I have, that you I have that, I have that, I have that problem after a couple of scotches, actually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I have a different, uh, I have a different suggestion besides John's issues. John, you're going to be helped by what I'm going to suggest next, which is applicable to any of us elderly people or people with disabilities or people who have accessibility issues. And that is what I'm already experiencing is the frightening reality that we talk about all the time where the AI along with the other voice and 
in some cases, Braille and other interfaces will take over this problem, but not in a way by fixing the janky, let's stare at a screen and use a keyboard. If you really think about it, I don't know if you've experienced it, but like I was talking a couple of weeks ago about how they've got the, you know, your my voice is in the digital realm. Then there's your this thing. Your ladies. Faces. You're going to be a person who, like me, you know, if I'm not able to use the keyboard or see the screen, hopefully I'll just be able to talk and my avatar will translate it for me or my avatar will read it to me or it'll say it to me or it'll vibrate it in my fingertips or whatever. I think that's going to happen a lot faster than us using like all the tools to fix our wooden wagons. You know what I mean? Like the wagons are going to be replaced by the cars and replaced by the spaceships faster than they're going to fix the wagons. And that's just where we're at. Well, I, you know, in the meantime, <laughs> we've got all the people who have these issues. And, and like Jonathan mentioned, it can happen to anyone as you get older or maybe you just get in a car accident. You know, there's you get an illness. There's any number of things. Anybody who is able body. You break your arm and you can't just uh, like you- that. I'm not saying that for a while. I'm not saying at all that it shouldn't happen expediently. What I'm saying is we've got a legacy since the 1980s, early 90s of all these wooden wagon wheel interfaces to get on the Internet and all the websites and all the content, HTML even. I'm saying rather than assuming we're going to get the problem solved by fixing that, I think it's better to assume that we're going to have leaps and bounds accessibility devices that come in. That even, you know, I, I wear all kinds of devices, my glasses and hearing aids and this and that and whatever. And it's like okay. those things okay, solve so problems faster. Is it going to be for free? Is it going to become as the basic part of the website or is it going to be something where people are charged money to have these? I think the websites will go the way of these other things. Like, for example, uh, one device that I use all the time with my iPhone is when I want to do stuff with my uh, girlfriends here, right? Like my Siri or my whatever. I have them on the phone, but because I'm able to talk through my headset, I just talk to them and I'm like, oh, add this to my shopping list or call this person to do this thing. Because to me, that's easier than trying to use a keyboard or whatever. That's a small issue with my tinnitus and ringing in my ears. I've got devices that set a certain amount of adjustment to the background noise and this and that. When, when I have to do things with my schedule, I have things that automatically tell me when to do stuff. I'm saying I don't rely as much on the old keyboard screen go into a website method, which is where this problem lives. And I'm not saying that we should ignore accessibility. I'm saying the solution. Well, actually, from, accessibility is a problem that lives all over our environment. Accessibility but, is like, let's change the tools that let people who have whatever the reason for it, accessibility problems, get the same fair shake, but do it in a way that like brings a new solution in, not like trying to fix the old solution. That's right, fair enough. So, Vito, what's, um, is there any laws in the UK that kind of enforces you? Um, usability of websites and that there are, but uh, but it's not as advanced in some other places. Um, and I, I think that it needs to be like so. Going back to this uh, to the article, and even though this is a very uh, interesting discussion, I, I think that this problem should be solved by technology and by and through automation uh, because it's such a complex. Uh, topic mm. for web designers that are going into this uh, space. And because this is uh, really out of the reality, I agree with you guys. It's very, it's, it's, um, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not discounting the importance of it, but it is out of our reality as people that don't have 
these disabilities. Um, it's, it's yourself it's, not having any disabilities. Uh, I'm talking about myself. Uh, like, mm-hmm. uh, um, um, fortunately, I, I don't have any uh, any um, you know any disabilities. Uh, it doesn't mean that uh, that um, I don't put alt tags. I do put alt tags, uh, but um, but it's still I don't experience the website like people that do have these issues. Uh, and so it's very hard to put uh, to get into someone else's shoes when you need to actually do all that, kinds that's, of that's that's why you hire the people who have the issues to help you with it right but not everyone can do that uh, Salim. and most uh, most websites on the internet don't have the resources the vast majority of the websites on the internet i would even argue that 99.5% of the websites on the internet. Yeah, but it's even, it's even, but as I was, as, as I was saying, Vito, the situation's even worse than it was a few years ago because with all these page builders, you can set all well, this up and then well, one, one month later, one month later, one month later they're hacked. And you know, you used to have a bunch of stuff that are very uh, counterproductive for, for accessibility. Uh, and now the, 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 the resident evil is the page builder. I, I don't know. But like it's definitely something that they can help and solve on their part. I do think that using a page builder for less experienced uh, designers is going to give them a better result than trying to HTML the hell out of the page themselves and get it right, you know. Um, so, uh, so it does take it actually a step forward. Uh, it does give you a place to put the alt tag, so you remember instead of remembering after the image uh, uh, equal to also add an alt equal, you know. Uh, so um, it does make accessibility accessible, but uh, but I do think that this is definitely something that can be solved through technology. Maybe these guys haven't gotten to this place yet. Um, I think that instead of coming against them with an open letter and, you know, like a public, uh, public outburst, um, offer your help. You're already wasting time going against them. Might as well help them do it. Well, we don't know to what degree people try to speak to them privately uh, about the issues. Um, you know, right. maybe, maybe they but did. They're trying to do, they're trying to solve a problem, Sally. They're trying to solve a problem. Yes. And, yes, and I don't they're, think they're, it's they're, bad they're... to try it. And I, I do think technology is going to have to play into some of it, of, if, you know, uh, analyzing and, and so on. But, uh, you know, it, what it might be good to do on the WordPress side is have some kind of a setup, you know, find that automation uh, so that they could say, check plugins being submitted to the repo for, well, what kind of, you know, stuff do you output? What kind of, is it, you know, accessible to use your plugin? Um, and that's not a thing that, that you know, there's enough available individuals uh, to do. Um, but often, uh, you know, you can discover issues because your actual users will run into them. Uh, not so much, you know, that you always have to, uh you know, that you necessarily have to hire a team that can cover all the bases for accessibility testing. Do you think, though, after, I, I mean, I saw a couple of accessibility people talk on a few, on a few summits that we've, we've uh, experienced over the last few months, and the, the websites that this lady was showing were pretty plain. Yeah. So, 
and they were very accessible and they were government websites so they had to be but they so does accessibility take out design options no I think it really doesn't really uh, what, well, what do we do about sliders what do we do about big images what do we do about html5 animations what do we do about svgs what do we do about HTML5 video how do we do it pretty accessible uh, as it is and svgs can be more accessible than other images because you can actually include text in them um <clears throat> all right let's, let's move on um before i go on to the next story i want to talk about one of my other uh, sponsor conversio uh, conversio is a wordpress only hosting provider in the real performance area if you've got a website or a client website that really does need a, almost enterprise level performance 24 7 with a truly integrated um, hosting platform you should go and have a look at conversio they really do have a fantastic interface. The owner of the business showed me the back end and some of the technology that they're utilizing. I was really impressed. Um, the other thing, uh, beloved listeners and viewers, they offer, have offered a really fantastic deal just for you. Um, if you go to the WP Tonic website on all the pages, um, podcast posts, there will be a banner that will take you to the Conversio um, website to a particular landing page. You fill in a form there for one of the packages, you will get 30% off for the lifetime of that package. It is a quite an amazing deal. So I suggest that if you've got a performance site near the enterprise level or enterprise that you go over and look at Conversio. Right, on to the next story. Oh, yeah, this is a good one. How Tim Cook agreed to hand over data of all Chinese Apple users to the communist government. What did you think of this one, Spencer? Ni Cook. You know, the problem here is that Tim Cook single-handedly has destroyed... By the way, that means hello. I'm not just I'm Niha. Um, the, Tim Cook has single-handedly destroyed a 25-year legacy of everything that Apple stood for. And I don't hold him personally accountable because he's... Well, honestly, I do. I, I totally well, hold him personally. Well, let, let me just say what I feel, and then you can jump on it. But, like, I'm saying Tim Cook is not the rebel that Steve Jobs was. He never will be, and I don't think he ever purported to be. But the difference really makes itself clear with things like this, because Steve Jobs would have made it his every waking moment thing to screw the Chinese six ways to Sunday and get them to bow to him, not the other way around. Whereas when you combine this with things like right to repair issues and all the hardware that they've doubled back on and trying to sell the color of your cable on your new iMac is a you know upgrade feature. I honestly, I've just washed my hands of Apple. I have an iPhone and I have a 2015 uh, uh, MacBook Pro, but I have zero interest in anything else they do. Even though I think the M1 chips are interesting and there's still a couple things here and there, the just lack of respect for their their consumers. Yeah, I'm not quite it's there, just, but because I, I yeah. think they I tarnished them with all the same brush, really. But it's the hypocrisy of that's Tim what Cook. I mean. There's lack of Tim respect. Cook, China, 
trying um, to lecture the cockroaches of Facebook, and then then it comes out that he's peddled the whole of you know users' information to China to this awful government. The hypocrisy of this That's guy. That's right. We want you to have privacy up, unless you're Chinese. It's unbelievable. You saw the percentage of the revenue that came from China, right? Yes. I mean, the problem we have in corporate America right now, which is reflected by this and other things, is if you look at the line of general wages and then you look at corporate profits, they had been tracking each other proportionally at the same angle for decades and decades since World War II. And only in the last 12 to 15 years has the corporate profit line went like a moonshot vertically. Because corporations have now put shareholder stock return over everything. And that's clearly the nature of what's going on here. Apple has $100 trillion in the bank. They don't have to bend over to the Chinese government other than to please the shareholders. And they're doing it. And there's nothing that's going to stop them because all the people who make the decision are seeing their Apple stock go up. Including so, Vito, um how do how can how can uh, Mr. Cook think that um, lecturing Facebook about um, protecting data's information and then shafting all your Chinese users? You know he's not he's not an absolutely walking talking joke. Well, what do you what do you reckon, Vito? I agree. I I think that, uh, and I also agree with Spencer uh, with what you said. Like since. Uh, uh, with Steve Jobs, really, it's a company that has lost its founder, and the founder is the uh, a founder by by definition. The position of a founder is to define the vision, to define the culture of the company that uh, that is being built. It's not a CEO position; it's a different position. And now they have a CEO, so they're making uh, financial decisions, and the, they're kind of like doing whatever they make sense to the audience. Uh, or to the market that they're working in, or to the investor that they work in. But Steve Jobs was was not a CEO. He was a founder. He had his own values and his own culture that he distilled into the company uh, and his own vision. And that is uh, very much lacking uh, in, in Apple. They already lost it when, when they kicked him out and they brought in a CEO. I don't think they really understand the difference between the two positions uh, and um, and it's a completely different position to be in a CEO and a founder. So until they found a founder, I'm with you, Spencer. Do you know? Do you know that the Apple refused? Remember, they refused to help the FBI and the CIA. Mm. They would. They wouldn't bow to those. They help them, would they? But they bowed to the Chinese, which is indicative of, again, look to the revenue that would be lost. The FBI and the CIA are not going to help them make more money in the United States. Go fuck yourself. But the Chinese government says you're not going to sell any Apple products here. It's like, hold on, Tiger. Let's see what we can do about this. That's all it is. It's or, so or make any Or make any Apple products. They make, you know, Apple products are made in China, right? Yeah, well, I mean, that's a problem, too. They made Everybody's the products said they removed the label China. made in Cupertino, California, because, you know, the Chinese government made them do it. And it's like, I think they understand that they could easily lose access to all their manufacturing. I also, um, before I pass it on, um, I link this to an interesting um, thing that um, Jason from This Week in Startups, um, he's doing a daily show. I put the link into Slack I did. 
and he was talking about cryptocurrencies and about how a certain group of pundits on Twitter, Reddit, Reddit and other platforms say that cryptocurrencies are going to protect people in China from the Chinese government. And he just laughs at this naivety where he points out that, you know, you're dealing with a government that literally will do anything to protect its interests. And the idea that it wouldn't just lock down cryptocurrency overnight when it when it wanted to um he's so freaking naive it's unbelievable and um i just think apple is in just a really difficult spot because not only did all, they would lose a ton of money but their production the chinese government soon you know soon put the squeeze on them and this is the problem where you have all your production just based in china if you if you're dumb enough to do that, you're you're going to be under the thumb of this government, basically. Well, and everyone not... is going to do it because the corporations basically want free labor. But there are consequences. and the Americans want cheap stuff. But there there is consequences. There the consequences if, if if you cross we, the Chinese. We, we, we don't we don't use Apple products in uh, the UK, sorry. <laughs> I don't use I I personally don't have any Apple products. We don't use but, Apple products in the UK, Sally. Uh yeah, right. So John, do you think that you know um what amazed me about this story is that um Mr. Cook chose an Apple choose to get into Barney about um you know protecting user information with Facebook and then one week later that that the, they've just you know, just thrown all the users in China down the plug hole. What do you reckon, John? So I'm not I'm not totally familiar with this story. I am familiar with uh, previous things that they've done as far as censoring uh, search results, censoring websites to be able to be in Japan, um, storing private information from Chinese users on servers that were in China. Um, And I'm not so sure that this would be different if Steve Jobs were alive, quite honestly, because at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's what the stakeholders want and the shareholders. And at the end of the day, it's all about making money as much money as humanly possible uh, for the shareholders. And quite honestly, I, I don't know that, that, um, American consumers or, yeah. you know, European consumers are willing to pay even more for Apple products than they currently are uh, if they were having um, these phones and tablets and uh, computers manufactured in the U.S. or in Europe, or well, funny of- enough, though, John. Also, th- this is this is a long there's a long history of this. You know, wasn't it IBM that sold the Nazi government the com- the computer technology that enabled them to exterminate six million people yeah, um, and, more and, effectively? And, wasn't it? Wasn't and wasn't it Hugo, Ford and Chrysler that? Go on, and Hugo sorry. Boss got started making uniforms for the SS. And like these companies are going to survive no matter what. These companies are going to outlast 
governments always. So and what, what made me laugh? There was some Ford and Chrysler factories that they built just just before war declared in Germany, and when 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 after the like six months after the war, they had the audacity to claim the cost of those factories to the U.S. government, and the U.S. government actually paid out. <laughs> well, hey, like Henry Ford was anti-Semitic. That's a widely um, documented fact. And just was, a little bit. Just a uh, little um, bit. Uh, I would say he was a raving nutter. We got truthful so, about you know. That, right? But here's the thing. Okay, so you know that's what it comes down to. Like your consumption of you know capitalistic products is not. There's no way to really like do it ethically. Because everybody's got something. Google is the same situation. So whether you have an Android phone or whether you have an iPhone, you're still going to be faced with the same moral dilemma. There's no ethical way around this. Yeah, but you can put pressure on these companies and let them know that you know what they're really about. Uh, um, that's always it as an individual you can really do. All right, so um, I'm going to drop the other stories because this can't go on like War and Peace. Um, but I want to talk about, before we go into our recommendations of the week, I want to talk about a webinar that me and Spencer Forum are doing on the 11th of June. It's going to be all about how to use like launch flows with a, another group of key plugins. I'm going to let Spencer explain a little bit better what we're going to be t- discussing in this great webinar. Over to you, Spencer. Yeah, I'm going to put it here in the comments. Um, for those who want to go. So we're on episode three as a, <laughs> the Star Wars trilogy. But we started back in April and we did how somebody can create a modern WordPress membership site using a small stack of tools that allows you to have the foundation you need so that in the future you don't have all the problems that are traditionally coming from one or more plugins that kind of collide with others. And we talked about how to identify your stack of uh, plugins uh, using our free discovery tool at wplaunchify.com. Then we talked in the last episode how to configure your stack, which, by the way, John, you were incredibly intuitive on some of the things that people need to focus on and so forth. And then in the third session, we're going to talk about how to actually launch it, including these psychology tricks and strategies where in today's world, marketing automation means you don't spend all your time in the busiest channel of email. You use email just as a complement to getting people to know the exact place and time to show up for various things available in your WordPress website so that you can track their behavior and customize further their journey, which makes them happy because you don't waste their time. It makes you happy because you get happier customers, lower churn rate, and a higher rate of return on any advertisement or other efforts you're putting. So if you want to come by, these are very short. We were done in like 45 minutes. The two first episodes are there. Give your email, not so I can spam you, but because I'm going to send you the link right before the time that we're on live. We just remind you um, to sign up. It's all in the show notes of all the episodes. Um, um, You go to the WP Tonic and you go to one of the podcasts. It's always in the show notes right in front of you. You sign up and um, Spencer will send you a reminder just before and you can join us and ask some questions after the presentation. I'll come to your house and knock on your door. There we go. Uh, um, So... On to our recommendations of the week. Let's start with John. John, you got anything you want to recommend? Yeah, so this is a uh, podcast episode from the Google 
uh, search team. This is called off the, Search Off the Record, I think is the name of the podcast. This episode is uh, what if speed was a ranking factor? And what they do is they sit down and they, they uh, talk about a fictional search engine. And they say, if we were going to start this new search engine and figure out how we'd approach speed as a ranking signal, how would we do this and why? So this will give you a little bit of insight into how they might uh, evaluate different sites. Right. Um, I forgot my recommendation. My recommendation is an alternative to Gmail. I had a client ask me about this, um, and um, they said they really wanted to get away from Gmail because Google, what Google does with all your Gmail information. Um I scratched my head and then I found Fastmail. Fastmail, I think, is a really good alternative. It's only about $3 a month, so it will cost you, but it's not a ridiculous amount. And I think they also give you a, disc, a bigger discount if you pay yearly. And it's pretty secure, all based on open source, and you won't be giving all your personal information to Gmail. That's not a bad idea, is it? Um, over to you, Spencer. Have you got something you want to... Recommend, and, and I'm sure they won't sell that to China. Um, if I can do a personal plug, because we started with it, uh, anybody who has WooCommerce or interested in selling anything WooCommerce, we are now offering. Vito and Andrew both get to say, "I told you so," but we are now offering a special lifetime bundle on the product, and we've reduced the product sixty six percent. So, if you are looking for a utility that solves five. Well, there's really about 100, but five key problems with anybody doing WooCommerce. I think we've hit the sweet spot because we just launched it maybe day yesterday, and the response has been apparently more than even I could have imagined. And I think mm-hmm. I'm going to attribute it to, number one, it allows people off the hook of which things should I use because now it's no longer a choice of A or B. Now it's I can have my A and I can add this as a B. And the second is the price point makes it really almost impulse buy level where like when you're checking out at the grocery, you grab the, the candy bar and the magazines and the AAA batteries. So for yourself, for your clients, for 300 bucks, you can have this tool that fixes so many problems on anybody who's using a WordPress WooCommerce combination site. So it's at launchflows.com. If you have any questions, you can reach me there. And yeah, we've used it on a couple of sites and we've been really happy with it. Listeners and viewers, I uh, highly recommend Spencer's product. And I think it's a really smart move that you've done, Spencer. Um, I think it's um, really, and you did it in a really great way. Um, Vito, got anything you want to recommend to the listeners and viewers? Yes, I would like to recommend a physical event, uh, which is uh, kind of rare nowadays. Uh, But uh, it's awesome that these things are coming back. So uh, Christina Romero, who is, she's the... um, Really, she's the the queen of care plans uh, uh, within the WordPress space. Uh, she's bringing back her physical event, which is called the Recurring Revenue Retreat. Last time it was in uh, Disney, and now it's uh, still in Florida, but it's like uh, you know it's gonna be like in a proper uh, resort. Um, a couple of days of learning how to build an agency, how to structure everything. Uh, it looks awesome. I wish I could have uh, I could attend. I'll probably be there next year, but uh, for everyone that is in the area of Florida, I think that's amazing. That's great. Thanks for that. Andrew, got anything you want to recommend, Andrew? Can you hear me? 
Come well, on. You know, it's just incredible that Vito mentioned that, and I really promise you, even though we talk every day. Can you hear me? Yes, yes. we can hear you. Was, was, this, was this your forward, forward recommendation also? Uh, I'm going to recommend Focus. Yeah, okay. Oh, he's having no, a our foreign correspondent has broken up, listeners and viewers. I know so who's this... going to recommend, so I can do his recommendation. He's, he's, well, he's, he's got, got it in, his... in the show. The oh, Chinese wow. government has discovered his iPhone IP address. And exactly. There we go. Let's see, if it, let's see if he comes back. This guy he was saying his... focuswp.co was what he was uh, recommending. Yeah. All right. Stephanie right. does uh, amazing... Uh, um, uh, well, her service basically is um, is devs for hire uh, for your for overflow of work uh, within agencies uh, and freelance for agencies and freelancers. Uh, so this is great if you don't if you're not in the stage where you need to hire, but you do need a vetted uh, a developer to help you with some additional features. That's what uh, Stephanie does at Focus WP. Yeah, well, there we go. Sally, uh, yeah, th that those images are just like um, eye bleeding. Uh, 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 but it does sound like a good service. I I'm going to recommend the services and pricing guide Canva template from Carmen Kendrick Creative. Carmen spoke to our meetup uh, this past uh, weekend uh, about how she has developed this very extensive guide for, you know, mostly for freelancers um, and uh, agencies that helps lay out the process of building and the cost of different things and the, so that people know what to expect. And so that also, if you get an inquiry, you know, some random person asks you something, you can just send, send this to them uh, and it will help get rid of the tire kickers because it makes it clear, um, you know, Carmen basically won't build a website for less than $10,000. So uh, if, if you want to uh, <clears throat> uh, increase your, Increase your rates and profitability. Uh, it seems like a good thing, and uh, oh. it's already been put together as a template, so you can work with it. Oh, our foreign correspondent. We actually, uh, uh, Vito actually um, um, did your uh, recommendation, Andrew, for you. Uh, um, oh, he's gone again. Uh, um, so let's um, let's let's get this show finished. Um, Spencer, how how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? Well, today I'm going to switch over to launchflows.com. Right, Gio. And Vito, how can people find out more about you and what you are up to? Check out atarim.io or join us in the Facebook group and just search Atarim and you'll find us. That's great. John, how can people find out more about you and what you are up to? Lockdownseo.com. And Sally, how can people find out more about you and what you are up to? Well, I'm either at Sally Getch or at or WP Fangirl pretty much everywhere. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> I urge you, if you are, uh, well, for, for the period that we're going to be remote, uh, do check out the East Bay WordPress meetup on meetup.com. Um, right. We are going to be having an accessibility presentation in July. All right. That sounds good. And Andrew, our foreign correspondent, um, are you back? And can, how can people find out more about you, Andrew? You can find me on Twitter at Arnie Palmer um, on there. You can then uh, access my site. This is andrewpalmer.com. And that'll tell you everything about me. And, and I'm using my iPhone now because my laptop battery went because I forgot to plug it in. 
Well, the, Chinese the Chinese government now knows where you are. So there we go. All right, we'll see you next week for another great roundtable. Thank you, listeners and viewers. We'll see you soon. Bye. See you, people. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week. 